What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers, who welcomed three rookies in the last 24 hours, the sixth pick, the 31st pick, and the 48th pick in the 2022 NBA draft in what was a wild start to the draft and a few trades along the way, but none that really impacted the Pacers too much. So we're here to talk about the three players that were drafted, our thoughts about what happens next, free agencies in a week's time. So it's going to be a huge week in the franchise. It probably was uh, a little bit anticlimactic yesterday in terms of moves, roster moves, because we all assumed that there were going to be a lot more moves than there were made, but we will all get into it today on the Pacerous. And Alex, I'm going to start with you and we're going to start with the headline. I mean, Benedict Matherin was the sixth pick in the draft. We missed out on Jaden Ivey by one pick. I think the fan base was pretty devastated for about five minutes, but then they got super excited about this this kid who is wearing double zero. Our entire backcourt is just triple zero right now, which is uh, going to be a very cool sight. But Benedict Matherin, 6'6", out of Arizona. He's uh, just turned 20 years old. Uh, he averaged 17 points, five and a half rebounds, two and a half assists uh, in college. In his second season, he really came on. And no one has said a bad word about this guy. Everyone said that he is just an amazing, you know, amazingly resilient kid, that he's come from a tough circumstance, that he's got a great attitude, that he works extremely hard. This is kind of music to our ears, right? This is this is the guy that we want as a franchise cornerstone. Right off the bat, it seems Kevin Pritchard is uh, trying to build an all-Canada team here. He's uh, he's now up to four, so just adding that one in. But Love it. Yeah, in terms of Matherin, though, you know, I think it was Mark Monteith sent out a tweet talking about how the Pacers needed an alpha personality on the team right and i uh i know justin will love this and i'll throw to you next but he's talking now about lebron james he uh he wants to go one-on-one <laughs> with lebron in his rookie season so look uh that's that's why we love lance though right like that's why the fan base is so uh you know enamored uh, with players like that because you know we, we want that personality we want that edge and you look at matherin's best games it was in the back pack 12 against ucla for the championship had like 29 points was fantastic uh, against TCU in their first game of the tournament had 30 scored like all their fourth quarter points pay uh, like at the end of the, the game scored all their points. So uh, he's that guy. He, he wants the ball in his hands at the end. And again, Justin, I'll throw to you because I know you love that LeBron quote, but uh, that, that edge is something that I think fans will love. Yeah, you completely right. Alex, the Pacer nation has been wanting this for years and years. And that's why, you mentioned Lance Stevenson and for me, Danny Granger, players who take it up to the best players in the league. And you know what? Even if LeBron bettered them, Pacer fans fell in love with them because it's that, you know, can-do attitude. And look, this rookie, I would say, he's got balls coming out and saying this. He hasn't even played a preseason summer league game yet. And you're essentially calling out, you know, arguably the best player of all time, although I don't think he is. But um, that's, that's what you're doing. So, look, it could come back and bite him in the face when Lakers play Indiana and um, LeBron could put up a massive triple-double. But like you mentioned, Alex, this is the attitude we want from a pacer. And I guess my thoughts from the draft is I'm not going to shy away. I, I did really want Jaden Ivey. Um, I'm still a bit disappointed we didn't trade up to get him. Um, 
I assume, Adam, the asking price was just too high. I, I highly assume Kevin Pritchard would have made the call to Sacramento. And I, I just think we're in that logjam of an awkward spot where if Sacramento wanted Keegan Murray and they fell back to six, Detroit would have picked Keegan Murray if we picked Jaden Ivey. So, yeah, what do you think, Adam? I'm Yeah, I think it's a great pick. Matherin was my number one option if Ivey wasn't selected. But you mentioned at the top of the show, I did expect Paces to be a lot more aggressive over draft night. So I sit here and go, Matherin's a great pick, but there are a lot of flaws on this roster as we speak right now, Adam. There are, and I think there's plenty of time for them to be addressed. But just on Matherin, Tom Hirsch and I, on the episode we recorded earlier in the week, both said that he was our top choice at number six, given who was likely to be available. He was higher on our board, on both of our boards than Keegan Murray. Um, higher than Dyson Daniels, uh, you know, he was higher than Shaden Sharp and, and those guys all went around that range. And when you're picking at six, you kind of have to pick who's there. You, you, don't, you don't have the luxury of having access to, you know, the very tippy top talent that is available. Not to say that Benedict Matherin won't be at the tippy top in terms of talent when all of these players' careers are said and done, that very well could be the case. And I certainly hope that it is. And I think he's got the right attitude to succeed. I mean, there's an athletic piece today that came out that said that he's he has a clutch gene. They were talking up his ability to be able to deliver in big moments, his work ethic. And that's, you know, exactly what this Pacers team wants. They want a hard worker. They want a guy who wants to be the best player on his team, who wants to you know, take over in those moments. And, you know, with the greatest respect to Tyrese Halliburton, Halliburton isn't the type of guy who every single night probably wants that role. He, he's, I imagine he's happy to share that. He's a pass-first player. Um, and I think he needs another backcourt running mate that is going to make plays. And he's got that in Benedict Matherin. But getting back to, to your question, Justin, I think, we were caught with, between a rock and a hard place. Detroit would have taken Murray. I think that's pretty clear, uh, even with the the smokescreen reports that they're enamored with Benedict Matherin. Um, and I do think that you had to try and move heaven and earth. If you can't do that, then Matherin is, is the best that you can hope for, given where we were picking and what we need as a ball club. And, you know, the reports on, on him are that uh, he is just a incredible human being. And at the end of the day, the Pacers will pick good people. And, you know, like it or not, that's been an ethos of this franchise for a long period of time. I do love the comments about LeBron. I love the fact that he's just come out and said, I want to be the best player in the NBA. You know, that's the attitude that these guys need to have in order to succeed. The next part is that he needs to be coachable. He needs to listen to feedback. He needs to go away and add to his game. And he needs to prove that he is a consummate professional, which he's got every chance of doing. The fact that he came back and did that second workout for Chad Buchanan and Kevin Pritchard and uh, Rick Carlisle and worked out with Rick Carlisle directly, I think means a whole hell of a lot because Rick Carlisle has a spotty history with guards in this league. He got along well with Jason Kidd clashed mightily with Rajon Rondo, left Dallas after Luka Doncic came along and tried to sort of take over the franchise, which he's since done. Um, so Rick doesn't have, you know, the best record with rookie guards, with young guards. And this is the opportunity that he has to be able to pick a guy that shares his work ethic, shares his love for the game and his approach that, you know, there's a mutual respect there. So I think we're setting ourselves up for success with this mature 
driven backcourt for the future. But Alex, right now we kind of have O'Shea Brissett to play both forward positions, both in the starting lineup and off the bench. I mean, we'll get into the second round in a moment, but there seems to be some significant holes at Ford in this roster. Adam, that's our dream, mate. 48 minutes of O'Shea a night. Sign me up. <laughs> 96 minutes somehow. Just clone him and put him out there twice. Oh, no. Yeah, but, but I was messaging you guys yesterday, you know, with Jalen Smith's uncertainty, it's going to be hard to retain him. TJ Warren's a free agent. We haven't seen him play basketball since 2021, maybe at the start. So yep. yeah, that that wing position is is such a valuable thing in the NBA, right? Kevin Durant tweeted it yesterday. It's a wings league, uh, and he, he's not really wrong, right? Like the the dominate dominated positions: Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Kevin Durant, Tatum and Brown. Like you can go on right for days about the wings being a, a, a much needed position, and the Pacers just don't have any. You know, we 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 got one in the second round who I'll talk about later, who I'm very high on, but. Um, yeah, we, we just, we need wings, don't we, Adam? We do. We do. I think if the season started today and Justin, I want to put this to you, would you be comfortable with the starting lineup that included Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin and Chris Duarte? Uh, it's a good question. I guess it depends who your big man is. If we're running with TJ Warren at the four, Brissett, I don't know. We, I don't know. I, let's I, say, I don't say Brissett and Miles. So let's go just who we know is healthy and on the roster. <clears throat> well, I tell you, that's the most, that's most athletic starting lineup paces have probably nearly ever had, I think, if, if they're going to run that out. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm just looking at this roster. There's a lot of holes. Um, and we, we all know that. Like like you said, there's plenty of time for trades and free, agent, free agency starts in a few days. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, what's interesting to me and... You guys will remember this because we actually spoke about this two episodes ago before the draft where we spoke about the pace of social media and, you know, that post with um, Halliburton, Duarte and Isaiah Jackson and kind of the future of who they're leaning towards. And it's funny with every video, Kevin Pritchard speaking to Matherin and Rick Carlisle speaking to Matherin and saying, oh, you're so lucky you get to play with Halliburton and Duarte and Jackson. There is no mention absolutely no mention of Brogdon and um, Miles Turner. It feels like Brogdon's not even a pacer right now. You know, Brogdon's not <laughs> tweeting out, welcome to the club. He's not having any affiliation with this Pacers team right now. Obviously, the keys are being handed over to Halliburton. We all know that. We all know you'll touch on it in a minute, Adam, with who Pacers got with the 31st pick. But it just feels like Brogdon's not even a pacer right now, right? It, I just want to, it reminds me of when LeBron went back to Cleveland, released that media release, and it didn't have Wiggins or uh, at the time Anthony Bennett's names in the release. It, it, you know, it's foreshadowing, Alex, that, you know, if the team is not talking about these two guys and they're not referencing these two guys, then that's just basically saying we don't want you to think about these two players anymore because they won't be on the court when we play game one. It was kind of awkward. I don't know if you guys saw the presser today when he was actually asked, I think it was James Boyd asked him about whether he's been in contact with Miles and Brogdon. He kind of like shied away from the answer. He's like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll keep in contact with those guys throughout the off season and stuff. It's like, yeah, okay. He knows <laughs> you know, they're, they're gone. Really he knows. And, and with Miles, it's funny, right? Like obviously we joke, he's been in trade rumors 
since he's been in the league. Like it's ridiculous how often he gets put in rumors, but this is new with Brogdon, right? Like there yeah. was some Ben Simmons stuff last season with him and Levert, but yeah, th- this is new uh, territory for Brogdon. And I mean, once we traded for Halliburton and you saw, I know it was a small sample size, but Halliburton was so much better when Brogdon was not there. And that, that to me was the writing on the wall. And now we drafted two guards. You cannot tell me that Brogdon's gone in the next, like, what, like two weeks maybe I'll give him? Can't be. And look, I think there's an opportunity here for Aiden. I think with Detroit getting Duran and Charlotte getting Mark Williams, I think, you know, there's there's a clear opportunity for Aiden, although I think Phoenix will have bigger fish to fry in Brooklyn over the next few weeks given the recent reports of Kevin Durant. Um, his preferred def- destination, if he did seek a trade, would be Phoenix. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Aiton and Bridges ended up going to Brooklyn and Durant ended up going to Phoenix, and and that's did how that come out? Sort of played out. There, it, there's been whispers today, and it, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. I mean, it was would it surprise you at all to see Kevin Durant traded for Aiton and either Thomas Bridges? you know, three pick swaps, three first rounders. Like It wouldn't surprise me at this point because Kyrie is out of that team right now. So you have to consider that Brooklyn will look way different in just a few months' time. And given that uh, I think Houston control Brooklyn's draft pick for the next six years, stop me if you've heard this before, but, you know, the Nets are at the mercy of pick swaps for an extended period of time, so they can't afford to be bad. Um, because they they won't get their lottery pick, and that's how Boston ended up with Tatum Brown. So, I think history is kind of repeating itself on the Nets, and hopefully, you know, they don't learn from it and continue to make terrible decisions because it's easier for us in the Eastern Conference. But um, getting around to the second round, I want to hit both picks in the second round because um, there was some mixed reactions to the thirty first pick, Andrew Nembhard. I mean, I'm I'm an open mind to both of these guys, particularly Kendall Brown, because with the I think the forty eighth pick, we we traded uh, I think future second and some cash. Um, but for both of these guys, I think what we're seeing on the paces is that there are more roster opportunities opening up this coming season because Rubio won't be retained. You know, you've got veterans that are on the way out. So you've got the potential for an Andrew Nimhard uh, competing for a, you know, second, third point guard in the rotation sort of spot. You've got a guy like Kendall Brown and Alex, I'll ask you, why, why do you love Kendall Brown? Why, why is he your guy? I mean, there's a few reasons. Obviously, he feels a much needed position, right? Like we talked about having no wings, but I just think he's fit with this team is, is amazing. Like what he's good at, is what the Pacers need, right? Like, he's a transitional player. I don't know if you guys have watched him at all. He can fly. Like, he is one of the best athletes in this class, uh, catching lobs. He's a great cutter, good defender, which we need as well. So, for me, he's just, like, everything this Pacers team is and wants to be, and that's what Kevin Pritchard talked about, is that, you know, we want to get faster, right? We want to be more dynamic. Uh, Rick Carlisle talked about the team being last in tongues before the trade deadline and how that kind of changed a little bit. So yeah, he, he, for me, at least he fits everything that the new look paces 
are trying to be. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And Justin, I mean, it just looks like we're, we're filling our roster with guys that can throw lobs and guys that can catch them. Which we've never had in years and years. And since we've started this podcast, <clears throat> we've already all, always joked about, you know, tweet us when there's an alley-oop dunk. So I feel like we're going to have to put a stop to that because our mentions will be blown up next year with um, Halliburton and Isaiah Jackson. I, I did want to mention something I listened to on the Setting the Pace podcast. And they did mention Rick Carlisle was spotted having dinner with Jalen Smith. Um very recently, which was a big like, oh, okay, maybe there is a chance. You know, is Rick Carlisle selling him on a starting centre position if Miles is traded potentially? I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. But very strange to hear Rick having dinner with Jalen Smith in the last week or so. Um, we all love him. I think we all want him to be on the team, whether it's a backup or a starting position. We all know he'll have to take a discount to be on this team as well. Um, but, yeah, I felt like that was a very interesting thing to know, Adam, and yeah, was the promise of a starting position, would that sway him to stay with Indiana, Adam? And I think it I think it might. I mean, where is he getting a starting position elsewhere, firstly? And secondly, he's not guaranteed to have the same production output and and you know, he's not guaranteed to further his career in another team. Clearly, under Rick Carlisle, something clicked on both ends. Rick Carlisle knew how to use him and he knew how to maximize himself in uh in you know the flow of the game so he could do a hell of a lot worse than to stay with the paces and i dare say that when you find the right situation that you know you're still talking about life-changing money it's still you know five million dollars a year instead of eight million dollars a year or something like that so at the end of the day maybe it's worth a one or two year deal or a one year deal with a player option or something like that just kind of continue to bring up his value even further um, as he goes through the process of figuring out what he wants to be and, and what his role is. And, you know, I think if the Pacers were to sign him for a short-term deal, that would curry favour with him and his agency that the Pacers weren't trying to lock him down for a low number. It would also allow him to prove it over a, a one-year deal uh, and then potentially get be an unrestricted free agent. Then the Pacers give him a ton of money if he earned that ton of money as well. I mean, we wouldn't be locked into uh, the situation that we are now because of his status as a you know rookie player that didn't have his option picked up. So it, it makes things a little bit easier. But um, I, I'd have a lot of reservations over Jalen Smith being the starting centre for this team. But then, then again, I guess it comes down to your expectation of this team because Isaiah Jackson is the future. That's the guy that they're putting on the marquee. Um, is he a power forward? Is he a center? Not really sure yet. He's only had the one season. Alex, do you have a gut feel on what Isaiah Jackson's best position is? Because that could determine where Jalen Smith plays and whether he stays around. 
I mean, to me, both those guys can play together. They're pretty versatile defensively, offensively. Uh, Jalen played both four and five for us at times. So, yeah, I think Isaiah Jackson's more suited to the five spot. Uh, I know he's – he look, I struggle with any shot blocker being a four just because you're taking away their best skill set, right? Yeah. That's why Miles was always the five defensively and why Sabonis had to guard the perimeter because otherwise you're taking away the best skill set that they have. So, for me, Ijax has to be the five. Uh, but, but I don't think that's a bad thing for Jalen Smith. I think he can play the four. And there's no reason he can't start at the power forward if that's, you know, the bet he's taking on himself and the paces are taking next season. Um, but, but, but on his contract, though, for me, I think it's the best opportunity that he's ever had in his career, right? The most minutes he's gotten in Indy. Rick Carlisle said, you know what? If you catch the ball at 30 feet, let it go. Like, shoot it. He was shooting it in transition. He wasn't doing that in Phoenix. He was barely getting playing time in Phoenix. So, for me, that's the swing that, that the paces have over other teams, like maybe the Nets want to throw money at him, uh, you know, the Pistons maybe. So that's the the leverage at least that the Pacers have right now. I really think that this year is a rebuilding year. The Pacers are not expecting to do anything other than show progress. Um, it is the following season, two seasons, the last two seasons of Rick Carlisle's contract, and then that will also be the last season of Tyrese Halliburton's rookie deal in the first year of his rookie extension, where the Pacers will have, A, the most roster and cap flexibility to be able to acquire players alongside Halliburton, Matherin, and their core. Um, and secondly, they'll be able to maximize on growth from Halliburton. He should be hitting you know, his first peak by around that fourth season. Um, and Matherin should take a giant jump up from first to second season. Duarte will be in his third season. So I think I, I hate to make this exactly the same as our very first podcast, but this season I don't think counts for much in terms of um, wins and losses. But I do think it counts for a lot in terms of growth. I think we're entering a cycle now where the Pacers have the ability to set themselves up to be uh, a destination for a trade for a, a player that's making a lot of money that that we can potentially maximize um, and a destination for good young players to pair up with what is an incredible dynamic triple zero backcourt. Uh, and that allows them to be able to have the flexibility to not maximize winning this season or at least not make roster moves that hurt your ability to get better this season, Justin. Couldn't agree more. Um, you know, KP's mentioned a lot of the times in recent times, oh, this isn't a rebuild, it's a retool, it's a reshuffling. This is 100% a rebuild. <clears throat> and I feel like they're, they're moving towards that direction, telling the fans, like KP came out, and that pressure and said, you know, as we build out this team, I want to say this, it's going to take a little bit of time. That's him giving the expectations to fans, you know, who may have been disappointed that there wasn't a lot of trade over the draft that, hey, this probably isn't a playoff team next year. I feel like you mentioned, Adam, it's a lot of growth and, you know, building towards the future. As I sit here right now, I mean, I've changed my mind every time we record, but... I don't feel like Miles Turner will be on the paces next year, um, whether he leaves us in free agency or 
we trade him just before the trade deadline or before the season starts. There's just been too much emphasis on Isaiah Jackson, which we mentioned before. I feel like with the Matherin draft pick, Buddy Hield's gone. There'll be a lot of contending teams who want Buddy Hield. Um, so it's a full-on rebuild. Like, it's a full-blown rebuild. I don't think Malcolm Brogdon will enter the Pacers facility ever again. Um, so the way you look at it, this starting five we're going to roll out, probably the way I look out of it, zero of those players were in our starting lineup last year. So you can't say anything but a rebuild. I'm all here for it because we've wanted Pacers to do this for five years, um, probably since the Oladipo Bogdanovich playoff series. Um, but yeah, it is going to be interesting. I, I'm like teams, team fans just want to see Pacers go out and do growth and, you know, play hard. This year wasn't like that. I feel like if we had these young hungry dogs, kind of, you know, like a mini Memphis Grizzlies maybe, Adam, you know, where I'm not saying we're going to, you know, make the playoffs like Memphis, but you just want to see those young players play hard, play together. Whereas the last few years of being a fan, I don't really know what we've been watching. Well, Alex, it's it's interesting you you bring up the Memphis comparison, Justin, because that's a question I wanted to ask you, Alex, around the, the draft picks. We have two draft picks in the first round of next draft, the 2023 draft. And, you know, one of them will be outside the lottery as long as Cleveland make the playoffs. The other one will be our own. And, and you'd have to think that it's another lottery pick. I mean, the beauty of what Memphis have done over the last few years is that they got their key couple of pieces in Jar and Triple J, and they've just kind of assigned, just kind of surrounded them with good young talent and a couple of key veterans on big money. So they've been able to maintain roster flexibility in the short term, but also um, build a, a culture and a core around their key players. I mean, the Pacers have a chance to do that as well with a couple more lottery picks this time next year, right? I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I've talked about this a little bit, but that 2023 class is looking really good. Like, I know we've talked about the French guy. I don't even try to pronounce his last name. Uh, yeah, they they are both very good. So, uh, Scoot Henderson, like, this draft class is looking immaculate, if I might say. So, if you're the Pacers, I don't think taking is a bad thing. Like, I know fans hate it. I know fans hate losing. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a process, right? Like, I hate using that term because it's, the 76 is slogan that hasn't really worked, but uh, it is like the Grizzlies missed the playoffs with Jaron Jackson. They missed the playoffs the next year once they drafted Jar, and then they made the playoffs as the eight seed, right? So like it takes years for these teams to get to where they're at. It took the Grizzlies four years after drafting Jaron Jackson to, to be where they are now. And uh, they also got very lucky in the lottery, right? Like moving up in the Jar draft. So yeah. it takes both luck and, uh, and drafting guys, like you said, in, in the late first round, they got Desmond Bain in the late 20s. If you're the Pacers, that's where you have to start finding more value because we've missed. You know, we've missed on all those late teens and early 20s picks. So hopefully next season, if we can get a Knicks pick, they have like 20 first round picks apparently. Now, uh, you know, if Brogdon can, can get us a first, Miles can get us a first, that's where you have to start finding more value. And I mean, there's the opportunity for Isaiah Jackson to be that guy that bucks the trend at, at pick 21 mm. last season yep, and, and delivers yeah. that value. But you're right. Apart from him, we haven't really hit on anything. I mean, Goga's going to be out the door before we know it. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to trade in my jersey. But <laughs> um, it's it, it's the sort of situation where, as I say, we've got the the beauty of flexibility, but also Justin, I, I know that. 
We've all said we don't like tanking, but there's also no expectations on this roster for next season. And they can sell the fans on, come and see a fun product, come and see young guys giving it their all. They're not going to win every single game. They're probably not going to win half their games or even that many, but um, they're going to have exciting stretches. They're going to throw lobs. They're going to, you know, catch fire at times. They're going to, you know, slay a giant every now and again. Like that's the sell for fans to buy season tickets this season. Not that you're going to see a potential NBA champion, just that you're going to see an exciting product and a developing team that you're going to want to get on the bandwagon of now because in two years, they will be very good. Exactly right. And that's why it was so frustrating when we were all sitting through the Sabonis, Brogdon pick and rolls because, yep. yeah, Sabonis and Brogdon are great players, but we're not going to succeed. We're not even going to get the playoffs. We're not going to, even if we do, we'll get swept. Like, what are we doing? I think all fans see the hope now. And I assume Herb Simon's maybe ticked off on this rebuild with doing it. And I feel like, you know, Tyrese Halliburton's just accelerated that rebuild. Um, you know, I guess Pacer fans can kind of hope not hope, but if we lose, it's not the worst thing because if you want to watch a team win, we just hope Cleveland win every game next year so we get a good draft pick. But I feel like with a Matherin pick, you know, there's a lot of excitement. I feel like 99% of people love this pick, which does get me a bit worried because usually when <laughs> fans love the pick, it's terrible. <laughs> and then when they hate it, it's good. But um, yeah, 99% of the people love the Matherin pick. I'll throw it out to you guys, maybe start with you, Alex. If you were to give a grade on, yesterday from a Pacers point of view what grade would you give the Pacers oh uh, I think it's like a B plus for me like Matherin was number two but I can't give it an A or anything higher because obviously we all like the dream scenario was always Ivy right so for me it's a B plus but, but what about you Adam yeah I, I'd say it's a B plus I I was gonna gonna go around that B plus B area just because I mean yeah they, they took the best guy available and that's all you can do at that pick if you're not going to be able to get to the position that you want uh, but you also love the guy at your spot then great it's a win but I think the the front office probably and, and it will come out over the next couple of weeks how they go with with Brogdon and with Miles um, it was disappointing that we couldn't get a second lottery pick in there and try and capitalize on um, Brogdon and Miles' trade assets and TJ McConnell and those sorts of guys because you look at some of the guys selected at the back end of that lottery like Sochan and Jeng and, and those guys and, and they would have been great pieces for this roster, particularly with the lack of Fords. Um, so, yeah, I'd say BB+. Plus. But uh, I think... You know, if we if we start poorly, if we if we have a few losses, then it's okay because we're just gonna get vile for Victor, guys. That's gonna be the 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 catch cry of this season. Victor Webanyama is the man. Seven foot three can do everything that a basketball player shouldn't be able to do at that size. So let's get vile for Victor uh, if we can't uh, <laughs> we can't get too many wins this season. Um, Free agency coming next week. So we will be back with free agency rumors, with whatever's happened in the paces. If a trade drops, and we will be there and we'll record an episode as soon as we can. But we've been the Pacer Roos. Thanks so much for listening and welcome to Benedict Mathurin.